fun. Are you guys considering play. doing this live? Yes, uh, I've actually thought about it. I, Nate doesn't know you that. Have? Yeah, I've thought about it because <laughs> the whole point in that I've wanted to do is to have it be interactive. I would love to have somebody come on and say, hey, this is my problem and have us actually get more information from that person so that we can actually give them specific answers. But having that person come on and interact, I think would be super helpful. And now I see a lot of podcasts are being done live on Facebook or Instagram or wherever they're being done. Man, I love the messy back end. And Nate and I just have a lot of fun doing it. And we've met some phenomenal people. We've met some very interesting people for sure. In both ends of the spectrum of interesting. This is the messy back end where experts share customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on behind the beautifully branded front end of entrepreneurship. This is where most businesses fail. So we're here to help you save time, make money, and succeed. And now your host of The Messy Back End, Sheila J. Davis and Nate Tucker. We love our listeners here at The Messy Back End. We love y'all so much, we're going to make the mess even bigger. Coming soon to this very same channel, you're going to be hearing from The Messy Back End Exposed. You know, the very first day that we recorded this podcast, Instagram and Facebook shut down, so we knew we were right on track with The Messy Back End. All businesses have them, so don't be shy. Let's put it out there and help each other grow. If you have a messy back end or you're an expert who just loves cleaning up those back ends, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit themessybackend.com to apply. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Today on our show, we'll be talking about the back end of dealing with customers in a way that benefits both the provider and the client. As Gene Buckley once said, don't try to tell the customer what he wants. If you want to be smart, be smart in the shower. Then get out, go to work, and serve the customer. I love that so much. On our expert segment today, we're going to be talking with Jeff Mendelson, who's the founder of Effecto.Social. It's a full-service digital marketing agency where he works with developing comprehensive digital marketing campaigns for startups to establish businesses. With over 15 years of continuous digital marketing experience in all formats, Jeff is a wealth of information on what works, what doesn't work in the digital marketing space. And you'll hear real questions and stories from real entrepreneurs with real messy backends. As an added bonus for the messy backend exposed, our expert, Jeff, will not only share his experience, expertise, and the tools he suggests to get your backend cleaned up, but he will also expose how to avoid or deal with problem customers. And if you're an entrepreneur with a messy back end, if you would like to submit your story or question, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. And now on to our expert, my friend, Jeff Mendelson for his expert advice. Don't mess your seat, folks. Here we go. Today, we have a messy backend question uh, slash story submitted by one of our anonymous listeners. What are my options for when a client or multiple clients won't pay? The service has mostly been completed. We have already stopped what we had left on the project. Am I out of money or do I have options? 
Wow, what a great question. Th uh, guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. I would say for the most part, since you were smart enough to already take a deposit and probably already got paid for one or several milestones, you probably are out the money for the remainder of the project. Um, you know, the, the sad reality of it all is to actually litigate this thing is, you know, just the, for the lawyer to talk to you is going to probably cost more than what it is that you're going for. You would probably just end up chalking it up to, um, you know, a bad client, bad experience, you know, put them on your blacklist, right? And don't, uh, you know, make sure you don't do business anymore. The only other advice I would give here, though, is take the high road right? You um, don't go and bash them on social media. Don't go and publish a bunch of fake reviews on their Yelp profile or, you know, things like that. Definitely make sure that, uh, you know, you don't want to pay me. Okay, no big deal. What comes around goes around. It's all good, right? I can tell you from my experience that um, clients that have done that to me, every single one of them, you know, I keep my SHIT list, right? And I, every once in a while, go back and look at it. Right. And every single one of them that has stiffed me in the past has gone out of business. Does that make me the grim reaper of people that don't pay? And it's not yes. because I, I mean, I didn't cause them <laughs> to go out of business, but that bad energy, that yeah, bad it. vibe, you don't need to be vindictive. Yeah. I mean, karma always comes back to bite those guys because you know what? People are not attracted to people who put out that negative energy. And if you're just putting out that negative energy, you're absolutely right. I never thought about that, but the few clients who I've had problems with, um, who've actually had to fire, which we're going to talk about in a little bit later, uh, have all gone out of business or they're no longer there. So yeah, karma. Jeff, is there anything else? Like you said, you've got, you know, your, uh, S hit list. That's, that's what I like to call them. It's like a hit list, you know, but with a little silent S there in front of it. Because I've got clients, especially uh, photography clients, because um, I, I do photographs as well and do portraits and those type of things. And I have that, that hit list as well. Um, and a lot of times there's, there are common denominators, not just in, in your industry where it's you're dealing with business owners or businesses that eventually go out of business. But is there anything else that you've kind of seen that is a common denominator that can maybe help you identify in the future clients that have similar traits. And I'm not, I'm not saying all, you know, let's judge all book covers by the same. Uh, did that yeah. make sense? Yes. <laughs> all books by their, by their cover. Yes, but don't judge them the same. But anyway, uh, sometimes we do need to profile people uh, and say, hey, look, you probably aren't the right customer for me in the beginning um, so that we don't get to this point again. Do you, do you notice, is there anything that has that common denominator factor uh, with those? Uh, there is actually, there are a couple of things you can do. First of all, it comes, um, uh, you know, even on the introductory call, right? If you, uh, you know, if you have on your website, you know, reach out and contact me, name, email, and phone number, that's probably not enough, right? So as a photographer, right? I'm sure you get a bunch of people that call you up and like, you know, I want to do a studio shoot with my dog. And you know, I, I love my dog so much. And you know, it's all great. You know, and then as soon as you tell them it's a $1,500 thing, you're like, they're like, Oh, my God, like, no, that's not gonna work. And yeah, so you might want to put in there like, uh, you know, maybe some kind of pre qualifier, like, uh, are you ready to spend over $1,000 on this, for example, or, you know, whatever kind of pre qualifying questions <laughs> that you would do that you would use to filter those people out, right? I would say that on, on my side, the ones that focus on price, 
as opposed to yep. focusing on the value that I am providing their business. You know, let's just call it like, a, you know, everyone starts out with 100 points. And the more they focus on price in the course of a conversation, they lose points with me. They lose points, they lose points, they lose points. And at some point, I'm like, um, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out. Because what happens if someone is, you know, if you're going to charge $1,000 for something and they're like, no, but I got this other guy in Venezuela that's going to do it for 200. <laughs> um, great. You know, right. um, I have nothing against Venezuelans or any other nationality, but I don't compete on patriotism nor on passports. So, you know, if you can, anyone can get it cheaper anywhere. And if you can get it cheaper in Venezuela, I guarantee you there's five guys in Pakistan that'll do it for $50. So <laughs> right. So right. It, it's really not a question of price. What it is, it, it's a mindset, right? Now, some people just want to feel good about, about having a deal, right? And, th and that really, and that really speaks to, you know, like, um, you know, how well you can feel them out, especially in the initial first few minutes of the call, whether they're good negotiators or they're good, uh, you know, or the type of business that they're in, right? So, Usually right. what you can do is, you know, uh, first of all, start, you know, a little bit higher than what you would go for, right. especially if you can't read that vibe. And then if you do, and then if you are asked to give a 20, 25% discount, great. Now you have the room to do so, right? Whereas if you just gave your menu of prices and then they asked for a 20, 30% discount, you know, then it's going to, then the conversation turns uncomfortable. Right. But the, so the way I explain it is there is a direct inverse correlation between the price they pay to the, to the pain in the pain yes. in the butt they are. Right. Yes. So what happens, you know, the ones that, you know, because I've had people that, you know, like you, you know, you say that the website is, uh, you know, is, uh, I don't know, $5,000 and they're like, Oh, you mean your deposit of 5,000. And then at the end you pay another 5,000. It's like, well, no, I really meant just 5,000, but yeah, now that you put it that way, you know, <laughs> you know, there are people like that. Right? right. And then there are other people that are just like, Oh my God, 5,000, that's too expensive. You know, I, I only have 2000 to do this right now. Right. That's on you to make a decision whether, okay, is 2000 still worth my time? I mean, for like just a basic website, I still have an insane amount of margin in there. Right. Where I can, where it's just like, okay, maybe I can take out a few things or add a few things, you know, like, or, you know, whatever, in order to get this deal, depending on how much I need that money at that particular time. Right. But if you're going to take it, you know, if they're going to, you know, if they get you down to 2000 and then they ask for another discount later, feel free to walk away. Right. Because what happens yeah. is that if they're going to be that much of a pain, on a negotiating call, imagine what's going to happen once the money changes hands. And the interesting thing about what happens is that once money changes hands is now it's on, right? Like now you're indebted right. and um, you know, you got to deliver. Yeah. And, my, experience, um, my experience with that is every time I have discounted or tried to do someone a favor, because I am like the biggest pushover in the world. If I got paid for all the dang free work I did, I'd be a millionaire. But I, cause I just, I really sincerely truly want to help people. And so I'll go and lower my prices a little bit. Every single time it has bit me in the butt because they don't, they're not fully invested. They're Amen. just looking at that dollar number. They're not looking at the result. I mean, I can increase sales prices on their website by 650% by rebranding and changing up their website. But all they're looking at is that dollar number. And then they come back and ask for more and more and more and more. So yeah, that's definitely, I just, you know, big red flag, huge right. red flag. Yeah. And another thing too, uh, when you discount your services, 
you're really telling them that you don't value yourself as much as you're you actually claim to be you you, you kind of go in and you say uh hey I, I know i normally charge you know jeff to use a website example i normally charge 5k for a website but for you i'll do it for 2000 that's really telling them that they're not getting a five thousand dollar website anymore they're getting a two thousand dollar website um and you you kind of reduce that um i have i have a friend who he is a, a professional photographer as well and i was talking to him about these type of things a, a year ago and he goes i never discount i will either charge full price or if it's a charity or something like that that i care about i will do it for free there's there's no in between and he goes sometimes if i'm trying to close a sale i'll give you know freebie upsells type of thing what about payment terms or, or payment terms, you know, doing things like that. Those are, I, I agree, payment terms, totally allowed. But discounting it is is different. Um, discounting, you're saying, hey, I, you know, I normally value myself at this much, but for you, I only value myself X amount. And it's like That's dating. We were kind of talking about it. dating and marriage and relationships a little bit before we started recording. Uh, but it, it's like selling yourself short. You know, it's, oh, I'll settle for you because you're available right now with a $2,000 check when I'm really worth the $5,000. I'm really worth a nice steak dinner, but you're taking me to Taco Bell. You know what? I'll settle. This is a first date, but that's okay. Well, but you, you like Taco Bell, so you got to be careful where you use there. <laughs> oh, I love Taco Bell. Don't get me wrong. I love Taco Bell. But, but Sheila, if somebody's going to take me out on a first date and they take me to a steak dinner, that's showing that they value at least my belly a lot more than just Taco Bell. That's a good, that's a good way to look at it is looking at valuing yourself as opposed to allowing them to put a number on you. That's, right. that's a good way to look at it. And, and you can still give them extra value. You can give them, you know, hey, I, I know it's a big purchase, it's a big investment. You know, I also have, and then say you have training videos or something else that you can offer that is a zero cost upgrade to you. It's not gonna cost you any additional dollars to give them access to you know additional training or something that you already have built out so you can say hey if you do it today i understand here's something that can get you you know through the weekend so that you have an immediate return on your investment that you know they're they're satisfied now they're not like oh what did i just spend that money on it's going to be six weeks before i get deliverabilities you can just they can sit there and digest yeah. something like that so let me ask you something how yeah. do you deal with the fomo you know the fear of missing out when you crack line, when you, when you start and say 5,000, they say, no, I want it for three. And you say, no, thank you. Now you're like, okay, I just walked away from a $3,000 sale. Right. So that's the flip side of it. Right. Where yeah. you start thinking to yourself, like, a, did I quote too high? Right. Which, which is very possible. Right. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you did, you know, quote too high when the market won't bear, you know, that price. But have you ever had situations where somebody would come back to you a month later, three months later, a year later and say, hey, you know something? I gave it a lot of thought. I tried out with this other guy and it didn't work out. Okay, I'm ready now. Here, you know, here's your check. Have you ever had that come around to you? Sheila, do you, I, have, I have an anecdote for that, but if you have something, I want to hear yours as well. You know, it really does come down to when my rent payments do, right? No, I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. But no, what, it, what it is, is um, for me, if, if I'm uh, vetting a client, which I consider every, uh, I, it's their consultation, I'm going to give them as much value as I can in that first call. 
But what they don't realize is I'm actually interviewing them to be a client as well. So they, they feel like they're the one interviewing me, but I really like to interview them and find out if I'm going to be a good fit. I have had one person come back to me and say, I tried this other guy now, can you help me fix it? And they had made such a mess of it, there was no way to fix it uh, without charging them an arm and a leg or starting over from scratch. And of course they weren't willing to do that. Um, but for me, I, I get about one client a year that I have to either not take on or fire. We're gonna talk about that too in a minute, but um, not, not really. I mean, the percentage wise, maybe half a percent. So Nate, what do you? So I, I actually have a, somebody popped into mind right when you said that, like they go somewhere else, you know, type of thing, come back. Um, yeah, I have a I have a client and I took their their family photos uh, a couple of years ago and, you know, worked with them and, you know, delivered. We got, you know, wonderful, beautiful prints for their home. And it, it was a rather large purchase. Uh, and a couple of years later, I, I want to say it was two years after that. I just happened to be still following them on social media, that type of thing. And she goes in and comes out uh, like on her, on her story or whatever and says, like kind of complains about this photographer that they hired uh, and for family photos again and, and goes in and doesn't, and doesn't name any names or anything, but it's just like, man, I, I really wish, you know, they just don't seem to be the colors that I wanted. They don't have the vibe. The person was late. They were grouchy. My kids didn't like them, yada, yada, yada. You know, they printed them out, but I think they just printed them at Costco. Like just all these different things. And she comes back to me and goes, okay, Nate, I now realize why you charge what you charge. And I need you for our next photos. And then when she was pregnant again, she hired me for her maternity shoot. And she goes, yes, you are worth it. So it's like what you said, Jeff. It's like she had to almost... She, she didn't see the value in it until she got sick of Taco Bell and she wanted that steak dinner again. You know, and she's like, Oh, this is, this is what true value is. But she was getting Taco Bell for the price of steak dinner. and It wasn't quite there, you know, or a discounted steak dinner. I should say. What about you, Jeff? What do you do here on this one? Um, you know, I, I've started to get more, I've, I've starting to take a, take a more hard line to it. Um, I recently had this call with somebody who, um, you know, she shared with me all the prior, uh, you know, like the prior proposals that she got for building the website and building her courses and building a sales funnel and building a personal branding presence. And the proposals look like, oh, yeah, this looks kind of boilerplate, but okay, right? But they really ended, but the final result, which you can see right now by going to her site, is really just this brochure looking template that, you know, you get for free from WordPress, Right. And she paid them a lot of money, like, you know, like five figures, right? Like wow. if she would have came to me first, I probably would have charged her maybe a high four figure, you know, to, you know, to do the same thing, but no, you know, she wanted to go all out and she had the money for it and she went and did it, you know, and now she's coming. So that was like a year ago. Right. And she realizes that she's no closer to her goal. She realizes that there's no, you know, she didn't get any extra value. So now she's coming to me saying, you know, like, Hey Jeff, I really need to revamp this. And I'm like, well, you know, uh, to your point, Sheila, um, uh, I can't revamp anything. I'm going to, you know, this needs to be thrown out, right? This, uh, and I quoted her like that. And I was just like, uh, listen, I just can't do it. And then when I'm talking with my wife about, you know, like why I charge so high and why I'm taking this, let's just call it a harder approach to her. I'm like, wait a second, you know something? Why do I have to play, to pay, to play second fiddle or third fiddle? 
because she got burned twice. So I got to lower myself in order to make her feel better. No, no. she should have come to me, you know, in, in the first place. Right. So, but now I'm going to sit there and try to, you know, so, so like there's all these other variables and I'm just like, you know, something I'm comfortable with what I quoted her. I'm not doing any kind of like aggressive follow-up. I'm not trying to, you know, call her every day. Hey, you ready to get started? She'll figure it out on her own. And if she can get it for a couple grand less, you know, someone locally or someone else that she knows, or maybe she just doesn't have the money anymore, you know, that's fine. But I shouldn't have to pay for that mistake for your inexperience in business. You know, I like and I think that's kind of the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Fixing something is 10 times harder than starting from scratch. It's like somebody building a shack on your beautiful property and then coming and saying, Hey, can you flip this shack into a really nice uh, three story, four bedroom, whatever you can't do it. And the other problem is that they've already been in this relationship with this other provider who has let them down and they're disappointed. And they've also been given all these extra little things to think about and talk about and questions and problems. And well, this other guy said this, well, if you keep bringing up the other guy, go back to the other guy. And so that's one of my biggest things is, is going in after somebody's already done it. I've actually had recently had a client who um, asked me to help her with her website. And so I went in there and I was looking at it and I was, I, I'm kind of a, pro, a productive procrastinator. So I like to think about things so then I can sit down and do it in a shorter amount of time, but I think about it over a period of time. So I didn't get it done as quickly as she had thought I got it done. So she messaged me and said, Oh, I've hired this other person who said I need to have SEO in this Google something or other. And I don't know what any of that means. And she goes, so I gave her access and she's going to be doing some stuff. And I said, you know, we can't have two people working on it. Let her do it. I, I don't want to fight with anybody. You know what I mean? Cause if, if they're either into you or they're not, it's, it's like right. Nate said, it's just like dating. Actually, every customer relationship is just like dating. You have to nurture it. You have to hold their hand. Then you might move into a little arm, you know, put your arm around them, you know, but you, it, you don't just go from, Hey, I'm Sheila to let's get married. There's that big in between part. And if someone else has already done that big in between part, you're going to get compared to them. You're going to have problems. You're going to try and fix things. It's just not, I, I hate being it. compared to other guys on a date. Totally. Right. I, right. I, I mean, yeah, I'm done with that. Way <laughs> past that. So you, that's why you got married again. See, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Comparing is difficult. So tell us though, Jeff, I mean, I've had to fire some clients in my time and I know Nate has as well. Tell mm -hmm. us about some of the clients or situations. And again, you know, for our listeners, we never name names, but tell us about some of these clients that you've had problems with, because you know, you hear all this time um, that, the customer's always right. Well, BS. sometimes the customer is a, call it a PIA. Yeah. You know? yeah. So how do you deal with those kind of people that you end up in this relationship with, which it is a relationship. How do you deal with those guys? So first of all, I have a, uh, so one of the first rules I, um, you know, I, um, I developed for myself especially after I started working for myself is don't you dare raise your voice to me or anyone on my staff. All right. The, yeah. Yeah. You heard it. There's a period at the end, uh, live it. Right. Yeah. And the ones that do it, they will, they will be fired that night. Right. Yeah. So, the, all right. So there's that. Um, I'd say some of the more, um, you know, some of the, uh, you know, some of the harder, uh, clients that I had, you know, or first of all, the ones that feel that, uh, you know, now that we have ways that uh, people can text you, 
right? They can WhatsApp you, they can FaceTime you and all that. So the ones I feel that they can just start text you and expect an answer at eight, nine o'clock at night, I gently tell them like, listen, texting is not like, please don't send me a text and expect me to, and expect me to respond to it because that's not where I keep my to-dos. I work off of email. You know, like you can try to have conversations like that. Um, I think the bi- uh, the biggest one for me that comes to mind was that I was just starting out and somehow this, uh, you know, this company got, you know, got wind of my name and, you know, I told them that I create websites, um, you know, like on the WordPress platform and they're like, well, you know, we like WordPress, but we really want to do it on this other insert some no name technology that I've never heard of. Right. I don't even remember it anymore. I don't even think it's out there. Right. And I'm just like, right. And it, it, but they dangled, they dangled a big check in front of me. And I'm like, well, you know, like, I really don't know this. I, I don't know how to hire out for like, that's okay. We just want you to project manage it. We know you're a really good project manager. Uh, I took the money. Right. You know, like I took the money and, and then what happened was, you know, it was up to me to, you know, to go on Elance or Upwork or, you know, and start finding a developer that actually knew this stuff. Right. And then between putting together the, the, the product spec and getting it done and working with the, you know, working with deadlines, uh, the experience was less than stellar. Bottom line, I'd say about two months in, uh, yeah, the guy raised his voice to me. Right. And I was like, all right, you know something, this is a toxic relationship. I'm not going to do it. And um, so listen, I think it's just best that we part ways right now. And I refunded him in full his, uh, his deposit check. And that hurt me financially, right? That was just like, like I had it in the bank, right? Because I knew, you know, there was just something in there where I, I didn't deposit it in the operating account. I deposited it in the savings account. So I still had it, right? And so I didn't touch the money. And I'm like, yeah. and the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is going to, this is going to really sting, but it's going to be for my, um, it, it, you know, it's going to be for, you know, for the better, right? What happens? I fired off one more email saying, listen, I'm, uh, I'm prepared to write you guys a check for a full refund of your deposit. If you're prepared to, um, you know, absolve me of any, you know, like work not done, not come after me for whatever, like, listen, you're getting a full refund. They said, yes, put, wrote a check, sent it out. Five minutes after my, the letter left my fingers, right? Phone rings. And it was my next biggest client that's with me to this day. What happens? Uh, uh, Why did that happen? It freed up all of that negative energy. It freed up my time and my, you know, my headspace. And it just freed up everything so that I can work with clients that I love working with and that love me back. That think that I am, I am awesome. Right. And this other guy, well, you know, they're, uh, you know, six months later, they weren't around. It's just gone. And it's like, okay, you know, like, listen, good riddance, you know, you know, I, I, you know, I've been around the block already a couple of times. I know that my personality and maybe my way of do, doing things, you know, I'm, I'm toxic to one out of one or two out of 10 people and that's fine. Right. I, I'm cool with it now. I'm not trying to be the good guy to everybody. I'm not trying to, you know, I never go out there and say, you know, it's my way or the highway. I do try to provide value as the, you know, the best way that I can. I also will, you know, if somebody calls me out of the blue and, you know, they're asking me for advice, you know, like, listen, I'll, I'll spend a half an hour or an hour with them and explaining to them why, why their business model that they just described to me is completely, completely whack. Right? right. And I like doing that because, you know, then they realize that, you know, I am a person, A, B, I cared, right. I cared enough not, you know, and I didn't take their money. Right. Right. 
and I think that that, uh, you know, that's, it, it, it speaks to the character, it speaks to integrity. And, you know, every once in a while, someone comes back and it's just like, Jeff, I remember the way you talked to me, you know, four years ago, you know, and you didn't take my money. And I went with this other SEO guy and they got me banned and they got me this and they got me that. I'm like, well, yeah, because, you know, you didn't listen to me. So, you know. Yeah. When you shop at the dollar store, sometimes you actually get something that's worth a dollar. That's <laughs> what I have found with my clients is if I come to this place where they are dictating how I do my job when I'm the expert, that's kind of a line for me that I'm not letting, willing to let that's them cross. Red flag. Yeah. I've been really blessed to not have anybody yell at me, but I think they know better because they hear my Southern accent. <laughs> you don't holler at those Southern girls. You know, <laughs> the fact is, is that they're texting me at midnight and then they're mad because I didn't reply back. And then they're, you know, I'm telling them, you know, this is the brand that we discussed. This is what's going to work for you. You're going to love it. And they say, oh, but I went to a color coder who told me I should wear this color. So that color has to be in my brand. Spend a whole month telling her, you aren't going to like it. You aren't going to like it. We shouldn't change it. You should. And then finally, I'm like, I couldn't finish my work. It was a waste of time. So I put it in there and I, I made it very clear in writing. When this is done, you're not going to like it. You're going to want to go back to the other brand. And when that happens, you're going to be charged full price to redo I mean, I did everything from CD covers to the website, to marketing, to sales pages, every single thing in her business. And sure wow. enough, as soon as it was done, she's like, you know, I really don't like, I said, go back to that email. You have to pay full price for me to start over again. This is ridiculous, you know, but it, it did turn out beautiful. You know, it's actually kind of cool because I know a lot of her clients. So they were coming to me saying how much they loved it. So that was kind of cool. But when you find that you're hitting this wall with someone and, um, you're, you know, you track your hours to make sure you're charging the right amount anyway. And you start looking at those hours go up and the dollar amount go down. It's about time to maybe just have a discussion like Jeff said and say, you know, maybe it's time that we just part ways and determine what's going to be best for both of you at that time. Absolutely. I love what you said too, Jeff, where it's, you might not connect and vibe with one or two out of 10 of the people that you you're introduced to and that you meet. And that's, that's totally fine. Like if, if you're wanting to be the generic, you know, cookie cutter version for anyone, you know, you, if you want to be the Walmart, you can be the Walmart and you can please 10 out of 10 people or 9.8 out of 10 or however it is. But if you want to be, you know, the, the high ends, you know, high ticket items, um, you want to be the Ferrari, the exclusive, you know, only one out of 10 the BMW. I'll be the BMW. Or you could be the BMW. I, I've got a BMW. So I'm, I'm more in that category right now. Than a, than so a let me ask you something, Nate. That's right. That, that was something that came to mind. I didn't want to speak about it yet. When I walked in and bought my BMW, right? They said, well, this 328, I, uh, you know, the list price is, I don't know, $38,250. Right. And I said, well, you know, uh, can I get you down to 30, to, you know, to 35? I don't yeah. know. I just, I just wrote a number and the guy just said, he just, you know, deadpan. He was just like, thank you very much for the officer, for the offer, Mr. Mendelssohn, but the price is 38250 Was right. that the same experience you had? Uh, pretty much. I, I, there wasn't a 328 that I was buying and I, I had to navigate and negotiate uh, the, the things that I got extra, but it's exactly like you said. Yeah, they wouldn't budge on the price at all. I had to convince them to give me more for my trade-in because I was like, this is where I can negotiate. But no, the price of the M3 out the door was exact same that everyone else was paying. I was not able to negotiate that down a penny. 
I had to trade in more for my, you know, my trade in. And then I also was like, okay, you're giving me one of those hats, one of those keychains, exactly. that, that wallet there that has a $250 price tag on it for some reason. Like that's how I negotiate. But it's kind of like what I said earlier, you give, you give your client extra upsells that don't really cost you a whole lot and you're going to still get that value of the car. I love the M3. It's, it's exactly. So let's it. just riff off of this idea real quick. Before I walked into the BMW dealership, I yeah. went to the Mercedes dealership. I knew I was in the market for a $35,000 car. Okay. Right. And right. I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, I, I have arrived. I want to go to it. And I, I don't, I wasn't dressed up, but I walked into that dealership and that guy just looked at me like, you know, just the, you know, like looking down at me, like, what is this insect doing here? And he, <laughs> And I, you know, like I got the vibe right away, but you know something I wanted to, I'm like, listen, uh, you know, this is my budget. I want to try the E series or whatever it is. Uh, you know, can I trust drive it? Yeah. It was the, it was the crappiest test drive I've ever done. No person, you know, and at the end, I just gave him back keys. Thank you very much for your time. Whatever. You know, two days later I drove, I drove out with my, I drove out with a brand new BMW. I won't I, I can't even look in a Mercedes anymore because of that experience, right? I, I just can't. I look at BMWs, I'm like, oh my God, I, you know, I gotta, get, I gotta get one of those again, right? And it doesn't matter, you know, and I got like the base model of the base model. I mean, I got this thing in stick, which took, yeah. you know, $2,000 off the, you know, off the price, right? But, the, you know, that's what I wanted at the time. But for me now to drive a Mercedes, it's not gonna happen. And it all goes back to that one experience. Yeah, you got that bad taste in your mouth now which we both know, like, actually, like, statistically, if you look at numbers and everything, Mercedes and BMW, they're both high quality German made, you know, made cars. It's like, they, they've got the solidness, they've got the power and everything, they're fun to drive. But you now have that bitter taste in your mouth, because of the Won't way that, that that sales transaction happened. That's why we all as providers have to make sure that we don't do that. I mean, I see this in the speaker world all the time where a speaker, you know, they're up on stage and they seem very authentic and they're very, uh, you, they're just loving and they're kind and they're telling you about all these things they've done for their clients and everything. And they walk off the stage and you go up to shake their hand and tell them, you know, boy, the, I, re I really appreciate that. And they snub you like you're some kind of like you I love the word insect, like, and they look down their nose at you. And then the next thing they know, they find out you have a podcast. All of a sudden they love you again. You know, we can't, we can't be like that. We need to be authentic. In my opinion, one of the best compliments I've ever gotten and I get often is that I'm the same in person as I am on stage, as I am on social media, as I am everywhere. And to me, being that authentic person who really does truly care about everybody, no matter where they're coming from, no matter what they look like, no matter what their past experience is, if we can bring, you know, be authentic with them. And I think that it goes a long way toward even our own value and increasing our value. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. I mean, you know, again, I know, I know that I'm toxic to some and I'm cool with it, but what happens is that I also try, I also do try to be on point, you know, and I tell people that I usually lead with it. Listen, guys, I, I, I don't have a good filter. Right. So, you know, I'm, if I don't like something, you're like, you're going to know it for me. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. We love no filter. We love no filter. And okay. Well, I mean, you've been warned, right? Well, you know, <laughs> this is why your website sucks or this is why your, this is why your marketing is not on par, you know, and I'll, and I'll go into it. I mean, I won't be insulting, but I will, you know, point out the, you know, point out the flaws. And I think, I think a lot of people more than most appreciate the honesty. 
Right. right? They, they, they appreciate you stepping up and saying like, okay, you know, like he told it to me straight. And then it just becomes a decision. Like, do they want to work with someone like me or do they not want to? You know know what, though, I do the same thing. I always tell people, especially if I'm doing any kind of mentoring, I'm like, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. You may not always like it, but just know that I'm doing it for your benefit because, you know, your neighbors, your friends, your past clients, people who like you, they're never going to tell you the truth. They just simply won't tell you the truth. And that's you need somebody who um, knows what they're doing to come in and say to you, look, this is illegal or this isn't going to work, or this looks like the 1970s. We really, you know, this is before um, internet. So it's not going to work. You know, we got to make those changes. But I think too, there's, there's clients that I've had in the past that I've haven't wanted to fire because they pay well. They're, they're great people. They have um, maybe just a lot of problems in their business or something, but this is actually how I ended up flipping businesses, Jeff. And we have, since we haven't talked in a while is I would, people would call me up and say, Hey, I need a sales funnel. And I would go in and I would say, okay, well, I need this information and they didn't have it. Or I would look at their website or I would look at some of the other things they were doing. And I would say, look, I can build you a sales funnel, but it's not going to work unless you fix these other things. And so then that's kind of how I started flipping the businesses is because they realized, you know, sales funnel is not going to work if my product isn't good, if my marketing's not good, if my images aren't good, if my branding's not good, if I'm not doing the right thing on stage. So you kind of have to look at all that back end stuff. And the ones that you can mold, the ones that don't know how to be a client, the ones that don't know how to be a good customer because they don't know what you're doing. You're talking Chinese to them and they're talking Chinese to you. You can mold them into good clients. There are some that you have to fire, but there's some that you can just really nurture and bring them in. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, um, and I enjoy those people educating a client for something like that is um, it's fun. At the end of the day, sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just go and retreat into what they know best. Yeah. The biggest thing I found, the biggest struggle, I think, is outside of, you know, people paying and, and being uh, problem clients is the, they don't know what they don't know. And it, when they don't know it, sometimes they're willing to listen and learn and try it. And sometimes they're just not. We have to try and educate them to a point. And then you, but then you can also cross the line where I actually had a client who, for whatever reason, she wanted to understand marketing completely. And I'm like, you are a health coach. I can't explain 10 years and $50,000 worth of marketing to you so that I can put up this Facebook post, (laughs) you know, so you got to, you got to find those lines and, and know when to fire, when to keep working with them, when to nurture them, how much information to give them. Cause you can overload them. Um, I don't talk SEO to anybody cause I don't understand it. And I don't Ooh, want anybody talking it to me. Long. You want to keep it simple. You want to remind your, your clients that you are the expert. Uh, don't always give them, you know, if, if they ask what time it is, don't tell them how to build the clock. Just say, hey, here it is. When, like Jeff, I don't know if you're a car guy in terms of you know exactly how engines are made and everything, but when you have an issue with your BMW, you take it to the mechanic and he's like, okay, so the exact piston lengths are one millimeter in diameter by three and a half. You're like, I don't care. Can it start now? And they go, yeah, we replace Yeah, when can I pick it up? But he doesn't need to teach you how the battery sends the power over to the alternator and the alternator. He doesn't need to do all that. He just says, yeah, I fixed it. In my expert opinion, you need to replace the battery. It's going to be this amount. Sometimes you have to say, hey, in my expert, and I have to say that a lot to clients. In my ex- expert opinion, this is what I would do if I were in your shoes. And a lot of times we, they just need to be reminded that, oh, yeah, you are the expert. I'm paying you for your expertise. This is what you would do. Cool. 
don't give them a million different options. Just say, this is what needs to happen. This is what we're going to do. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. Mic drop. So, uh, <laughs> Jeff, you're awesome. Um, we've been friends for, oh, we shouldn't say how long, long time. And um, long I've time. always valued your opinion. I love your, uh, your honesty. You've always been very honest with me. As a kind of a wrapping up, I think what the answer to our question was, yeah, you're probably out that money. You need to decide what you want to do from here, but going and suing, honestly, it's really not worth it to go and sue somebody. Sometimes you just have to drop them and maybe not finish the work. I've seen people actually shut off websites if they don't get payment. And like you said, Jeff, I've seen them the redirect porn sites. Oh, oh, mercy. I never saw that, but yeah, I've seen them get shut down. I've seen the URLs get, you know, re uh, purchased by another person. There's lots of other things that can happen, but take the high road, be the good person because chances are they're not going to be around anyway. And you're going to feel good about yourself and you're going to be putting that positive energy out there. Also be aware when you need to fire clients or when you need to nurture them and clean and help them. But on the back end, as a customer, it's really important that you're a good customer too. It really is a, it's a two part, a two way highway. It's not just the provider is going to do make the world for you. It's you have to help them make the world that you want but don't get in the way when they're making it the way they need to make it. I think that's kind of the. Amen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks guys. It's been really fun and um, appreciate having on the show, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks Jeff. Would you like to have either myself or Nate speak at your next event or on your podcast? Visit us at themessybackend.com slash speaking. Well, that's our show for today's episode of The Messy Backend. Thanks so much for listening. Nate and Sheila signing off until next week. That's all we have for today's episode of The, 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 the Messy Backend. Join us again next week as our experts share more customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes on in the back end of entrepreneurship. Remember... You are not alone. Every business has a messy back end and needs a little attention. That should drive our um, our stuff up. I was just teasing her. Drive our stuff up. I'm, that's very technical, drive our, by the way. You know I'm having I dementia. I know sometimes you don't understand SEO, but dementia. drive our stuff up. Subscribe, subscribers, <laughs> listeners, downloads. Sorry. Drive our stuff up. I'm having, I'm having some... Uh, um, um, Ugh. <sighs>